Job 35. <clears throat> See, if you want to look at that, uh, and as we were praying, uh, we'll, we'll discuss this a little bit later, but be thinking toward the end of this chapter, think about things that might hinder our prayers, because Elihu is going to accuse Job of kind of speaking in vanity, of of having vain words and multiplying words and uh he's uh but I think it'd be a good opportunity just to discuss things that do hinder our prayers. Uh and that'll be toward the end. This is just sixteen verses, so hopefully uh we'll get out of here a good time. We do have a guest speaker this morning. It's uh Craig Warner or Wayner. He's from uh, Ohio. Nice. He, he led our uh, children's training all day yesterday. Uh, Pastor Brian's out of town uh, on vacation. So I'm actually teaching the dispensations on Wednesday. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Okay. So I'm glad you reminded me. I mean, I've been thinking about it, but I, I wasn't sure if it was this week or next week. So it's this week. So uh, anyway, uh, Job 35 Ammon, if you would like to read those first couple verses for us. Okay. Eli spake moreover and said, Thankful this right, and my righteousness is more than God's. Yeah, uh, so he gives, he's, he's saying, he's repeating Job, but he puts a little bit of a spin on it. And uh, Job didn't actually say that I'm more righteous than God. But uh, let, me, let me ask you this, and I'll bet everybody's done this. Uh, maybe at your job, I bet you've thought, if I was in charge, I would have done such and such. <laughs> That's where I live. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we do that with God. It's like, I mean, even, even with my shoulder, you, I could ask, why, God? Why did this happen? You know. But, you know, you don't have all the facts that your management has, and, and, um, we don't we don't know what God knows. His, his ways are higher than ours. But but look look back at Job twenty seven. Let, let's actually see what Job did say. Job twenty seven, just a couple chapters. We'll look at two two different places. Job twenty seven one. Pam, I'll let you read that. Twenty seven one. That's not it. The problem is, I think when you get older. Your ridges on your fingers must get smoother. Oh, and it's harder, harder to, to turn. Twenty-seven. Well, verse one. That's. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said. Yeah, that's. Let, let's go to the other one. Twenty. Go to Job twenty-nine fourteen. I must have put the wrong verse on there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My righteousness was as a robe and a diadem. Yeah, so he does claim to be righteous and to put on righteousness. So he he did claim uh, some righteousness, but Elihu is saying that Job, you said that your righteousness is more than God's, and Job didn't exactly say that. Um. And even verse 1 that uh, Emma read in je- back in chapter 35 now, I think there's a little bit of pause between these chapters because it says, you know, Elihu spake moreover and said. And then if you look at Job uh, 36, it says, Elihu also proceeded and said. And so I think at the end of each of these chapters, I mean, these are kind of uh, messages that Elihu is speaking to Job, uh, either directly or his friends, and and sometimes he branches off and just talks about God in general and facts and things about life. Uh, so there's a little bit of a pause here, but once he gets going, he he said, "Job, you said your righteousness is more than God," and, and you know none of us would ever say we're more righteous than God, but. You know, maybe you've thought, well, God, why don't you solve world hunger? God, why did you let cancer happen? Why did you let this drunk driver? And kind of behind that a little bit is like, you know, if it was up to me, if I were God, 
you know, I might. So there's a little bit of an element of pride in that, and so maybe Elihu thought that when Job says that I put on righteousness. Oh, so you're saying you're more righteous than God? So it's a little bit of his own spin, uh, but you can kind of read into that. So. Uh, can uh, Belinda, would you look up that Second Corinthians verse? Because some of this is what the devil does. The devil appears as an angel of light, and it says that his ministers are ministers of righteousness. In this verse that uh, Belinda is going to read. I'm glad my right hand's working. <laughs> 14 and 15. Yeah. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, and shall be according to their works. Yeah, so we often think that, you know, the devil is hard at work in our streets with drugs and in the taverns and the the houses of ill repute but uh, oftentimes they appear in churches don't they making us presenting false doctrine presenting things that are untrue and um, so it as we counsel people, we we want to be careful, you know, not to go beyond what Scripture says. And uh, so Elihu took, just took some liberty here of saying, "Well, Job, you said you're more righteous than God." Uh, letter, uh, verse number three, Kevin. Are, are you back at Job thirty-five? Um, what was the the first verse? The blank was righteousness. I haven't gave you your second blank yet. Uh, Read verses 3 and 4 of chapter 35. 3 and 4. Without sayest, what advantage will it be unto thee, and what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? I will answer thee and thy companions with thee. Yeah. Now, he's saying that Job said that, but but look look what he said. Go back to 21 again. Or for the first time, 21, 14, and 15. And let's see what Job said, because Elihu was with them, Job and his friends, throughout all this. So 21, 14, and 15. Job does say something similar to what Elias. He says in 14 and 15, Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him, and what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? So Job does say something like, What profit is it if we serve God? But look look back at verse verse 7. It's wherefore do the wicked live? So Job is actually kind of quoting what wicked people say. Wicked people say there's no profit to serve God and there's no advantage to pray to Him. So Job is actually, he's not saying that about himself. And so, uh, the, these next few verses back in chapter 35 are really interesting. I, I want us all to think about this. Go back to chapter 35. So I put I put the word uh, wicked in your second blank. Uh, Job was actually speaking about the wicked when he said that there's no profit in serving God. So, chapter thirty-five now, and uh, let's read five and six, uh, Jim. Look under the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. If thou sinnest, what dost thou against him? Or if thy transgressions be multiplied, what dost thou unto him? Uh, one more. If thou be righteous, what givest thou him, or what receiveth he of thine hand? Yeah, so, so now 
in verse 4 he says, I'm going to answer you and your companion. He wants all of them to look up to the heavens and we're going to behold or consider uh, that clouds are higher than us. So uh, he's having us look toward the heavens and then he's going to make some statements about God. And what do you guys think about this in verse 6 and 7? I think there's two ways to look at it. If you sin, or if thy transgression is multiplied, how does that affect God? And then verse 7, if you're righteous and you give to the Lord or receive, uh, what does God receive from you? So what difference does it make if you're a sinner or righteous with God? What do you? Th- how would you answer those questions? I, I would answer it as I, I am a sinner and I only have righteousness through God. Okay. Yeah. But if you if you're if you sin though, how does that affect God? It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, affect at that God. point, it does. When during Job, the punishment for sin. But he hadn't taken the punishment for sins yet. So when you sin at this point in life, you have to go sacrifice a lamb or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so therefore, it's it's made it's made known that you sin. Mm-hmm. You have to admit it, like, okay. and come out. Confess. Deep down inside you, you're you're always going to feel unrighteous. Well, you are on the right track. So your sin does affect you, and you're standing maybe. But as far as affecting God, yeah, it does not affect God at all. That's the key that we need His righteousness because we can't affect His. He can't commune with us. He can't. He I mean, he, can look upon unrighteousness, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's why we're filthy sinners. We have no righteousness. We get it from Him. So when we're unrighteous, we don't make Him unrighteous ever. But our appearance as a Christian might. Yeah, so that that's kind of where I was going with it is we can't take away or decrease from God. And He's sovereign. He, he's the all-existing one. He has no need of houses made with hands. So our sin does affect us. It does affect others. I mean, this person that killed someone by drunk driving... His sin affected others. Uh, There's a relationship with man. And so if you break that, you have no relationship with him. And I, I would assume that that does... God. Yeah, well, you know, in the when God brought about the flood, the Bible says that it, it grieved God. It was it was grievous that man sinned, and and we're, we're instructed in the New Testament not to grieve the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit. Uh, the verse I gave you there. Uh, whenever Solomon sinned, or whenever David sinned with Bathsheba. It said that uh, his sin gave occasion to God's enemy to blaspheme. And uh, I, I thought that was interesting. So that's what I had you put in your verse there. And see, even our own kids, it'd be the same. My kid can sin and do a beat murder or whatever. It doesn't affect me. I was not the murderer. Yeah. Relationship may be damaged, and he has a bad testimony. Yeah. Uh, It's weird because on the on the flip note, my relationship with my daughter does affect me, like the things that she does. Well, you grieve. No, I mean it affects me. Like like she could do something right now, like say that I did anything, and the cops come, and they could just take me off to jail. Yeah, well, and that would affect me. Yeah. Yeah. So our our sin does affect us. It does affect others. But God is the I am. He's the all existing. And uh, I think it'd be very prideful to think that we can affect God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There are people out there who are self righteous and think that they can. Huh. Well, the thing the thing that I put on letter C there, and this is something I think of. You know, we can, however, let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify 
our Father which is in heaven. So we can bring glory to God by doing good things. Uh, I remember, uh, this is a pretty small example, but I worked second shift at my job for six years. And uh, one thing I've always been kind of uh, convicted of is to pray over our food. So I would just sit and pray over my food. And and uh, I had a guy I was friends with. His name was Kevin on second shift. And uh, I guess he went to church and got saved at his church. And he came back to tell me, he said, Steve, that was just really convicting. Every time I see you pray over your food. And so somehow just me praying over our food... Uh, you know, it, it pricked us. So people do see, they do observe, and uh, God, God works on the heart. And I like Jim's prayer at the first. You, you prayed for God to work on uh, somebody's heart, maybe uh, Belinda's brother, and so that that's what God. Uh, that's what we're trying to affect, uh, purify our own hearts, and, and help others. So I I said in verse 8, Sherry, would you read verse 8 now? By reason of the multitude, thy wickedness may hurt a man as thou art, and thy righteousness may profit the son of man. Yeah, so that, that is kind of the conclusion there, that your wickedness does hurt others, and thy righteousness could profit others. And so, in your uh, in your teaching point there, I gave you some examples of just this little phrase: how to treat one another. And uh, I thought we might just read down through these. <clears throat> these are all from the New Testament. We're to have peace one with another. We're to wash one another's feet. We're to be kindly affectionate one to another, in honor, preferring one another. We're to receive one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. We're to admonish one another. We're to salute one another with an holy kiss. Now on the back side of your paper, we are by love, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, forbearing one another in love, comfort one another. And that First Thessalonians is to edify one another. I had you to... Uh, to build one another up, to edify. We're to exhort one another daily, confess our faults one to another, and pray one for another. That's kind of our reference for small groups in our recovery group. We're to use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man receive, hath received the gift, minister the same one to another, be subject one to another, and then finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. So that's a little bit of a study through uh, the little phrase one another in the New Testament. And there may be some others, but <clears throat> those are ones that I found. What do you think? What? Oh yeah, back on the front page. Yeah, let's. Uh, uh, Emma, we're back to you. Would you read verses nine and ten, and uh, we'll get those other blanks on the front. But none saith, there is God my neighbor, who is the psalmist in my mind. Okay. Did I skip something? In verse 9, did, did you say arm of the mighty? Oh. Oh, was it blank? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, what they can Verse 
Yeah. Yeah. Just her persistence. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, think about this. There's a little phrase there that uh, Emmett did read. It was uh, at the end of verse 10. God gives songs in the night. And what do you think that means? Peace, have some peace and happiness even in nighttime. Is that what do you say? Yeah, when you're alone. Yeah. I, I, well, they call the your prayer closet. Yeah, yeah. War room. <laughs> now, there's a verse I didn't put on here that I thought we might look up if we uh, Psalm 42. And we're going to talk about this just a little bit more. Who wants to read? Who, who can find that for us? Uh, Kev? 42, the whole thing? Uh, just 42, verse 8 of Psalms. Because okay. it mentions about this nighttime. Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me. And prayer unto the God of my life. Yeah. And you know, Spurgeon said something like, anyone can sing in the daytime, but it's, it's tougher to sing at night, isn't it? Uh, when you're, and when you think of nighttime, just dark times where maybe, yeah, maybe God seems far away, but, well, I think we're tired. Yeah. We're tired. Satan knows that. And so he throws, mm-hmm. you know, just our mind. Uh-huh. He knows that he, you know, when we're sick, when we're tired, he can attack us. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit more effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, um, and you, yeah, go ahead, Belinda. In seasons of my life, the times I've truly felt the closest to the Lord was in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. He was put on praise and worship. And yeah. Songs in the night. Yeah. No, that's good. That is what we're talking about. And, of course, the, the example I, I gave you in your handout uh, is... You know, Paul and Silas being in jail in Philippi. You remember the story from uh, Acts 16 with the Philippian jailer? And there's, Paul and Silas are singing songs and the, the doors of the jail open up, right? I mean, it would, it would be pretty hard, uh, you know, just to be in jail generally, but to be in jail for preaching the gospel... And there, it says that their feet, you know, were in uh, stocks. So they were in stocks and bonds. And you can picture these guys just maybe beat up and got their legs held, their arms held. But they can sing. <laughs> and so they're praising the Lord. And, you know, the jail opens up. It's like, wow. So this uh, Songs in the Night, that those are supernatural things, aren't they? The, those are things that uh, only God can do. And there's that song, "Praise Him in the Day, Praise Him in the Night." I've been praising Him in the night. That means continuous yeah. praising. Yeah, like, yeah. No, that's that's good, uh, Kevin. Well, I, I don't know if we want to say more, but uh, David, King David, does that, uh, and we we see examples and. I just finished reading First Samuel. I'm in Second Samuel now, but I think it was in chapter 30 where you know him and his men they come back to Ziglag and their whole city is burned and their wives and family and all their possessions are gone and the people talked about stoning David like David's their leader and why do you bring us to Ziglag? It's part of the Philistines' land and and these uh, Amorites or Amalekites came and it says but David encouraged himself in the Lord he he and he uh I think that's maybe when he sought the Urim and Thummim and maybe and and said should I pursue after him and God says yes because you will recover all and so it's that uh famous story 
And they got all, What's his name? Uh, was that you talking about three hundred? No, the, no, you're thinking Gideon. But David uh, and his men went after the. I think it's the Amalekites that stole their wives and possessions and burned their town. And so he's able to recover all. But uh, anyway, he encouraged himself in the Lord is the little phrase there. So those are things that uh, you know we should try to do is sing those songs in the night, praise Him when you don't feel like you know you're happy or you feel good or you're wore out. Uh, and then verse 11 and 12 uh, let's proceed here a little bit yeah that's the one I'm going to do right now let's do that one right now who's got verse 10 and 11 where are we at I don't know who's is Pam but none says where is God my maker who give us songs in the night who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the fowls of heaven Uh, one more there they cry but none give us answer because of the pride of evil men yeah and so uh the book I'm reading by Jeff Adam, he, he says that uh, he uses this word here that uh, that God make because you know the people that teach evolution you know say that we descended from you know the apes and we're, we're more or less animals uh, yeah and so uh, <clears throat> this is a reference to uh, crying to God and that God is able to teach us more than the beasts of the earth and uh, he can make us wiser than the fowls of heaven so it kind of makes a distinction between man and animal uh, <clears throat> and uh, in verse 12 talks about the pride of evil men so anyway I thought that was just kind of a good thing to point out is that we uh, we are a special creation we uh, God made us uh, in his own image and after his own likeness and the animals have, you know, a body and a spirit, but a man uh, has body, soul, and spirit. So we are a, a trichotomy. And so, anyway, the Bible makes a distinction there as well as in other places. So, I know we're uh, kind of ahead of time, but yeah. I mean, everything's kind of tried with this, uh, our, our mind, body. Yeah. Or, or, I was trying to think of the the, three, the two different ones that they use on life issues, uh, and then they overlap them. Yeah. It makes the conscience. Yeah. But then that's uh, God, Father, and Son, and uh, Holy Spirit. And, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so God patterned things after Himself because God is a triune God. The Bible doesn't use the word uh, Trinity, but it does use the word Godhead. And uh, it does talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And uh, so man uh, has uh, a body and a spirit but, uh, and a soul, but our, our spirit is dead uh, before we're saved, and so God uh, quickens us. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and so He quickens us and makes us alive in Him. And uh, that's why the Bible says, now we are complete in Him. So we, we, we are completed, and we can have fellowship uh, with Him and with one another through Christ. Like marriage. But yeah. Like marriage, because you have to both be with God to have yeah. a good, stable marriage. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I read number 
verse 11, uh-huh. he teaches us more than the beast of the earth. But that makes me think that the beast of the earth can teach us. Yes, yes. For sure. And that, that's really chapters, uh, I think, 38 and 39. Uh, maybe 40 in, in Job. So God, God does reference these animals and does reference natures and, uh, even the universe. So you're, you're not wrong there, Pam. Right. Like well, you really, if you really look into the animals and the, and, mm-hmm. the fauna and everything, mm-hmm. how can you deny that there's a God? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what I asked my brother. Mm-hmm. Is he atheist? Well, he just doesn't have time for God. He doesn't pay attention to the things. Okay. That's Romans 1. Creation. Yeah, he taught biology for years at Missouri State. Wow. Right. It's pretty... seems like a lot of smart people miss it for some reason. The Bible says there's not many wise, not many noble. I think he's prideful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, knowledge puffeth up, so not in me, but when his wife got bit by a copperhead when they were cleaning out the Girl Scout camp, he calls me and he says Pray for my wife. I said, what? Yeah. Yeah, they they say there's no atheist in a foxhole. When the bullets are flying, you, you want to cry out to God. <laughs> All right, well, this uh, last section here on the back of your handout, Job 35, the 13 through 16. Uh, Let's read all those together, Belinda, just 13 through the end of the chapter. All right, surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. Although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him. Therefore, trust thou in him. But now, because this is not so, he hath visited in his anger, that he knoweth it not in great extremity. Therefore doth Job open his mouth in vain, he multiplies words without knowledge. Uh-huh. Well, he speaks without wisdom or knowledge. Well, that's what his words come out. That's the accusation. Uh, so so what do you think about this verse 13 that Belinda read surely God will not hear vanity so he's going to accuse Job of speaking in vain, opening his mouth in vain, and he's saying in verse 13 that God doesn't hear that. So that, that's that's the question I want to finish our time on today. Is just things that hint, if God doesn't hear vanity, and, and when you think about that, um, I'm trying to think of like what what would be an example of a vain prayer if you're praying to God and saying, God, I wish I had a million dollars or something. And if if God knows that we're we're just going to go to Las Vegas and blow it or whatever, that would be kind of vain to ask God for, for that, wouldn't it? They say that most people that win the lotto are worse off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 98%. So that, that, that's my question. Now, verse 13, what kind of things does God not hear? Uh, and, uh, yeah, let's prime the pump here. Look at the John nine. Look at the John nine thirteen. Maybe start there. Nine thirteen. Yeah, John nine thirteen. Yeah, these are on your handout. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So you had Jim, Jim, you're thinking of a list. So, uh, yeah, there's several things mentioned. I'm sure these are some of the verses that, uh, that actually say that your prayers will be hindered and you do these things. Yeah, yeah. 
thirteen. Uh, yeah, Kevin. Um, they brought to the Pharisees him that before time was blind. Uh, how far? Oh, wait a minute. John nine thirteen, right? Uh, I'm sorry, it's thirty one. Nine thirty one. I got. Oh, okay. I said, now we know that God heareth not sinners. And doeth it well, he heareth. So, so what do you what do you think that is saying there? God, uh, James one twenty through twenty four. Be be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Uh, but what does it mean there that God heareth not sinners? Because you can't be in the same place as a sinner. Okay. The righteousness part. Okay. God is righteous, and he can't. Hear unrighteousness, like okay. There's only one prayer God will hear from right. a sinner, and that's His prayer of salvation, repentance. Yeah. yeah. So that is kind of the verse where we get that. That uh, say it how you said it. That at least the first prayer that God hears is that of a repentant sinner. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, unsaved may pray for you know, safe travels or whatever that they that we. I mean, I did it. Probably saved. And they put guardian angels on their motorcycles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, so there's something God doesn't doesn't hear. He doesn't uh, hear the prayers of the lost. Yeah, of the lost. There you go. Uh, let's look at the other one I had listed then we can maybe list some more the Psalm 66 Uh, this is a memory verse in uh, lesson 6 of our discipleship I believe it's a Psalm Psalm 66 18 we just did this one last Sunday. Did we? Yeah. In here? No, no, Brian. Oh, in the that next step group. Okay. What does that say, Jim? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So that that's maybe more reference even for Christians. If if I'm uh, really bitter if I'm holding a grudge against someone and and my heart's not right it's, it's that's what it's saying if I regard if I consider if I harbor iniquity in my heart God's not going to hear me either even though I'm saved right and that what it's, does that mean that uh, if you're praying about that person that you're holding iniquity against like maybe maybe a uh, like I hope they get bowels of wool or something, you know. Huh. Not, you know, would that be a prayer of iniquity? So, so the way we look at that uh, is in in Psalms, people do pray against the enemies of God, that, and they they do call out for. I think if you're looking for it for your own vendetta, you know this person wronged me, so God, go go get him, God. You know. Well, Psalm 109. That's one of my favorites to play pray over people I don't like. <laughs> what, what is that? Psalm 109. It says, "Set thou a wicked man over him, and let Satan stand at his right hand. He shall be judged. Let him be condemned, and let his prayer become sin." And on and on it goes. This doesn't talk about being devoured. Ooh, that's pretty. Oh, let's open the can. So, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So, I have in my Bible a date and a person's name. That person has stopped talking to another person because they married someone that they didn't like. Uh, and it's been going on five years. Uh, and that iniquity is still there. Yeah, yeah. And it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. So, so let me let me give you just the examples in my own life. And uh, one of them is relatively fresh. One of them is several years old. <clears throat> so before we came to this church, 
we we left a church and we were really hurt by this other church. Uh, they they changed versions of the Bible and uh, and so uh, I really you know even though I I moved on I started doing jail ministry that was. I still held that against, you know, kind of those pastors in that church, because, like, you know, we poured our life into that church like we did here, and, or like we do here. And it really took me about a year and a half, and I was traveling down, I was going to pick up some parts, I was in my pickup, and I don't even remember the song it was on, I listened to Christian radio, but it was almost like God just saying, Steve, you need to let this go. And I, I drove to that church that day, and I met with one of the associate pastors, and I think they kind of misunderstood, but it took me about a year and a half just to not be angry and just to let it go. And, you know, this is God's church, and and I don't know if you've experienced that. So the second example I'll give you of my own life is... Uh, I have a pretty good reputation at my job. I feel like everybody likes me. But my own manager, uh, he was very critical of me. And, uh, you know, I, I got a, a bad review. This has probably been four or five years ago. <clears throat> and, uh, but then after I, I'm under a different manager now and I'm, I'm well liked and, Things are are much better, but I mean, I harbored that against that manager for probably a year, and there was a day where i did I walked into his office and I just said, "You know I want, you know I don't want to be angry at you, I am sorry." I just went to him directly. I shook his hand, and he started bringing up stuff about the past. I said, "Paul, Paul, I don't really don't want to talk about it, but I, I'm not angry with you anymore." I did. So uh, I feel like maybe I mean there's a load lifted when you do those kind of things. I guess. Yeah, there it is. It takes the more, it takes the more bomb of Gilead to get through. Oh man, awesome! That's a, that reference. That's good. Yeah, it's a salve of. It's kind of a spiritual salve. Yeah. Well, I don't pray this one on Psalm, this Psalm 109 just for anybody. This is for the big guys, you know, like Putin. Huh. <laughs> and, right. and, and why not? You have mercy on us. Good. <laughs> it's in my Bible. Huh. You can pray that. Huh. For really? Yeah. Huh. Um, we prayed that prayer when we were sitting on this one for the Lord's birthday. Well, I do think if, you're, if people are truly the enemies of God, then then that's not necessarily wrong. Uh, this is more just on a personal level about things that will hinder our prayer. And what, was there anything else that you guys can think of uh, verses that? Uh, I'm not quite there yet. Uh, we'll get there. So I, you know, like I just have a about you know like forgiveness. Like I mean, we know we should forgive right away, but I do think God is merciful that He knows that sometimes we have to heal and work in that area. Uh-huh. It sometimes it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. And so I do think like He knows our heart. And so sometimes I just have to pray, Lord, mm. I'm going to have to work on my heart. Mm. Because, you know, it's just, uh, I can't do this alone. He's going to have to show me, yeah. you know, or, or, you know, or help me through the situation. Well, and think, think about Job here. Uh, I mean, nobody would wish that they would go through what he went through, but... Do you know that for over 3,000 years now, people have been studying and dissecting in this book of Job? I mean, he is, uh, Job, this is a, a famous book of the Bible about the events that happened in his life and his friends and, you know, so for all, uh, all time since this happened, I mean, I, I bet, I bet you that Job would tell you that He's glad he went through what he did. 
It's helped millions of people. I was going to say, yeah, that's such an example for yeah. Through the ages, God used him for yeah. an example. And really? anyway, that that was kind of my. Uh, my quote at the front, top of your first page when God wants to do an impossible task he takes an impossible man and crushes him and so you know those are those are the times of learning it's kind of when you're in God's woodshed so to speak and yeah and Kevin you yeah yeah I don't know some I bet I've been getting kicked while I'm down a little bit lately. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope... I've also been getting brought right back up. Yeah, good. I know that I'm more important than the sparrows. Good, yeah. So in verse 14, uh, back in Job 35, uh, um, before we get off that... Uh, it, I think it's in First Peter three seven that uh, for our prayers be not hindered about the man. I think it's spouses. Yeah, for spouses. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's things that will hinder our prayer, and another one is unbelief. If, if you don't believe, yeah. I think there's some verses that you know Christ couldn't do many miracles in his hometown because of their unbelief. It says. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there there's examples of re- and uh, harboring unforgiveness is another one. If if we don't forgive our brothers, neither will God forgive us. So there is there is some things that hinder our prayer. Uh, on to verse 14, it mentions the word judgment here. It says, "Although thou sayest thou see it, nope. Although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him. Therefore, trust thou in him." So Elihu is telling him, you know, you just need to trust God. Uh, before judgment comes, so I, I just had the word judgment is what I put in your next blank. And when I when I see that word trust, I think of uh, like Hezekiah, because his adversaries were saying, you know, don't listen to uh, Hezekiah tell you to trust in God, you know, because the other gods of the other countries couldn't save them, and so anyway. Hezekiah is one that trusted God and God came through in a big way for him. Steve, yeah. That brings me to the scripture that if you have faith in the mustard seed. Yeah. You can say to this mountain, be removed. If you had faith as a mustard seed. Yep, that's that's definitely a big big part of uh, our prayers and trusting God is to have faith. Uh, however small it is, just the uh, the people of Philadelphia, uh, it said something like that about them that uh, though the, though their faith was small, uh, God opened a door that no man could shut, and He shut doors that no man could open. All right, in verse 15, it says Elihu states that Job had experienced God's anger, but not in extremity. So uh, Elihu kind of suggested that maybe even worse things could happen to him, but uh, we don't hardly see how. And then he says, "Therefore, Job openeth his mouth; opened his mouth in vain. He multiplied his words without knowledge." So my little teaching point here, and then we'll be done, is it's okay to confront someone's actions, like what they do, but we shouldn't try to uh, confront their their thoughts, uh, but we should ask their thoughts, because Elihu kind of suggests that you know Job is prideful, his words are vanity, he's kind of judging uh, what's in his heart and not necessarily what he's done, because he has uh, sacrificed for his children, he... Uh, was this great man that was perfect and upright
upright. He uh, feared God. He eschewed evil. And uh, I I had a a friend of mine sent me a a verse for today for Father's Day. I thought this was pretty good. It's in Psalm 103.13. It says, Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. And uh, they said, Happy Father's Day. So I I thought that was pretty nice. As a father has pity on his children, so the Lord has pity on his people, uh, all them that fear him. So, fathers, we should fear God. And I I always told, uh, you know, submission is a big thing. you know, when a, a wife submits herself to her husband, it kind of puts the <clears throat> uh, it's really a position of power because then in turn it's like you know if, if you're a father, if, if you're a husband, it's like oh my goodness, this person is submitting to him, me. I, I better get it right, and it kind of uh, forces me to submit myself more to the Lord when. Uh, my wife and family uh, submit themselves to me. <clears throat> so hope, hopefully that makes sense. But I think we're going to hold up there. Is there any other thoughts about today's lesson? we got two more chapters on Elihu. And I think, is next week you're going to teach for me? Is that next week or the week after? Uh, the second, is it? Okay, it's in July. So one more week of me, and then we're going to be out of town for the fourth. Are you guys going down Texas? Yeah. Okay, cool. We're going to go see Angie's folks as well as yeah. Sarah and Kyle. Yeah, that's so, uh. I do have one thing to add. Yeah. So I just got a text from Brian that, uh. Hedges? Allison. Yeah. You know Allison Houston? Yeah. She comes herself. Wow. Okay. Wow, that's heavy. So, yeah, we'll pray for the Houston family. There are some folks we met through uh, life issues, and uh, sound like the woman is deceased. So we'll pray for uh, the husband and the survivors in that situation. So thanks, Jim. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you guys out a little early. Thank you for coming. Let's uh, pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do bow our heads and hearts and we thank you for this passage in Job and it just stirs our heart, Lord, to uh, do want to pray for you and not, not in vanity, but to be mindful of that our hearts are right, that nothing hinders our prayers, that we don't uh, regard iniquity in our hearts, we don't come to you in unbelief, we do treat our spouses and families right so that uh, our prayers are not hindered and uh, Lord... Uh, We do want to petition you, Father, intercede on behalf of uh, Vance, the Fuston family, as they mourn the life of of, uh, his wife, uh, Allison. And so, Lord, uh, just lift up the Fuston family to you. Pray for some healing. I pray that good will come from this. That's just... uh, something I always think of and Lord just to thank you for hearing our prayer be with uh, the speaker this morning may he uh, uh, edify us may we do treat one another as we read here from the New Testament all these ways to treat one another and uh, Lord just thank you for your uh, book and uh, I do thank you just in some way for uh, my shoulder getting hurt I look forward to good things happen from that and Lord uh, that is the heart we need Lord just rather it be daylight or dark we can uh, sing songs songs of praise to you in the night and that Lord uh, you do hear those prayers we can uh, glorify you and so Lord we love you we thank you for this church we thank you for your word thank you for uh, one another putting each other into one another's lives and uh, dismiss us now with your blessing Lord in Jesus name Amen I was kind of thinking of uh, I was thinking of uh, Jacob Wrestling with God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it didn't exactly say 